0: hit go you do, you do you do three two one before you go
1: i, it's, uh,
0: <laughs> I wanted to
2: get also, a little I think bit when of you count down for tv and again like in time of china referencing only
0: wade's world you call <laughs> you don't you don't say the two of the one you, you yeah you just <laughs> do the number which doesn't translate very well to a audio show yeah yeah <laughs> Here, you just start the show. <laughs> hey, we're here and welcome
2: to further viewing. Do I have an intro for this? Am I supposed to have one? Well, I mean, you, you first of all, you say, Well, hello, that's your thing. Well, hello, <laughs> and welcome. Oh, you know what? I did write one one time and I forgot it already. Uh, and yeah. I don't have it pulled up.
0: Uh, well, I've got one in my notes here, right? <laughs> oh, do, did you? Yeah, it might have been. Well, might, well hello,
1: have- welcome to further
0: viewing. In these bonus oh, yeah.
1: episodes, we'll discuss the films that we think would make a great pairing with the film covered in our most recent main episode. That's good job, good
0: Todd. Yeah, Todd, like that. Todd gets to do the intro now. Yeah! That's fair <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. What? Well, anyway, uh, anyway, that's Todd Davis, Gary Horn, Justin Bishop. Uh, that's our names and this week we are doing something a little bit different from our typical further viewing episodes something uh, kind of more in line with what we did when we covered silent night deadly night over the holidays um instead of giving kind of random double feature recommendations uh, like we normally do uh, for once upon a T- time in china and, and believe me there are plenty of other ones we could recommend i i just kept naming cynthia rothrock movies in our previous <laughs> episodes so there are plenty we could name you could uh,
1: you could never name enough cynthia rothrock yeah movies. there
0: i mean we we named dropped a lot of like jackie chan and sam Ohong hung movies and all that right, stuff so right. if you're really looking for like a double feature kind of thing there were plenty mentioned but instead we're going to do what we did in silent night deadly night because we wanted to watch the whole series so we're going to briefly discuss each of the five sequels that followed once upon a time in china beginning with naturally Once Upon a Time in China, part two. So, one thing that to me that that, that's highly interesting about this series, I had to put to me there because it nobody else it might not be interesting to you guys <laughs> but is how choy hawk interweaves this fictionalized version of wang feihong into real moments in chinese history um he doesn't quite get like like i said in the last episode he doesn't quite get that like forrest gump treatment where the character is actively altering historical events you know but he does uh choy does ground a lot of these stories in real world events and in the first film This is a little bit more vague. you know. He set the film at some point in the 19th century in the midst of Britain's rule over Hong Kong. But when he set out to make Once Upon a Time in China 2, Choi set the film during a specific historical moment, uh, September of 1885 in the run-up to the Boxer Rebellion. The Boxer Rebellion itself has been the subject of quite a few uh, martial arts movies uh, itself. But in this story, in in Once Upon a Time in China 2, uh, Choi actually introduces a key character named Sun Yat-sen, who was, in fact, an incredibly important figure in Chinese history. Yeah. Uh, well, but-
2: uh, interestingly enough, too, though, he does get worse about this as it goes on. Like, there is a scene in part four where uh, Wong Fei-Hug meets JFK and tells him he <laughs> has to pee. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I that would be honestly, though, I would watch that movie if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Wong Fei Hong in space. I want to see, uh, <laughs> I just i want to see Wong Fei Hong stop 9 11.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my God>.
0: uh. <laughs> Wong Fei Hong versus Osama bin Laden. Come on, give it to us. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, Gary, I want you to explain to our audience. Give us a little brief synopsis. Like like if you owned your own Blu-ray company, right? Gary's Blu-rays is what it's called. Not a very imaginative name on your part for your Blu-ray company, but that's what yeah. you went with. Gary's Blu-rays. Uh, Gary's Blu-ray boutique. And on the back of your release of Once Upon a Time in China 2, there is a synopsis to let people know what this movie is about. I want you to tell me what... How you're selling it because Todd, we, we should get into this. Todd has not seen any of these. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd, so Todd has not seen any of these. Uh, Todd only first. Yeah, to, Justin,
1: Justin told me to go watch these. I told him to fuck himself. So. Yeah, so so Todd
0: hasn't seen any of these sequels. So if Todd's browsing Gary's Blu-ray boutique. Hmm. Oh, uh, hey, he,
1: hey, here's this website, Gary's Blu-
0: Blu-ray boutique. No, this is a physical shop. This oh, is a, a physical shop you're, Ding, you Ding through. ding. Hi.
1: <laughs> Hi, I, I'm I'm looking for movies. So uh, you pick
0: wait. up "Once Upon a Time in China" too.
1: Oh, oh, hey, here's "Once Upon a Time in China" too. I, I, I wonder what this is about.
0: Yeah, all so Wong Fei
2: Hug wants to do is teach Westerners how to stick needles in themselves. <laughs> not aware that it's a pretty common <laughs> practice over here. All the while, though, the racist white Lotus clan, because of course they are, want to kill anyone who ate them, (laughs) including Hot Mama 13th Ant. They haven't discovered COVID-19 or fentanyl yet, so they'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. Wong Fei-Hung is going to have to step in. Little does he know, he's also going to have issues with the guy who trained Jet Li's dad Bruce. (laughs) that's good uh, uh, so that, uh would, would that, that sell you hey
1: I, I i think i'll rent this i wonder if they sell uh snacks <laughs>
0: <laughs> would that sell you would that synopsis sell you on this
1: i it's, it's it you know when they did like Two different versions of Casino Royale, but there is that third version that's a spoof. That's what that sounds
0: like. Oh, the, this is the Woody Allen
2: version of what you're trying to do. Okay, I so, thought Justin was going to cut me off on the COVID nineteen or fentanyl references, so <laughs> I thought well, he was going to be like, "No,
0: come on." <laughs> so. Uh, thanks to the success of the first film, Once Upon a Time in China 2 was given a bigger budget, which allowed Choi to create a more epic film, one with bigger, more elaborate fight scenes and filled with the sort of dramatic visuals that that Choi is really known for. But the story itself really is it's really a lot less sprawling than the first film. Uh, it's got a tighter focus and it's got a smaller number of characters to keep up with than the first film. It's just a tighter film overall, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one such character, though, that uh, is introduced to this is a, a character named General Nap-Yan, who is played by the legendary Donnie Yen. Uh, now, we can't get into the full story of Donnie Yen's career here. That, that's something that's going to have to wait for a full episode on one of his films. Uh, but it's good to know that although you know he had had uh, some starring roles prior to this, none of them, his career hadn't really taken off because of him. Like he, he was kind of on the cusp uh, and his appearance here. Against Jet Li, is kind of widely considered his breakthrough role. So, uh, Todd, I know you haven't seen this, but you're familiar with Donnie Yen's work, I assume.
1: Uh, yeah, at least
0: a little bit. Yeah, for sure. He is, in in my opinion, for what it's worth, Donnie Yen is probably my favorite. Martial art is working right now. Mm. Uh, I just – I love watching – I love his style. I mean a lot of people – if you haven't seen many of his stuff that was released in China, you Mm. have probably seen him in Rogue One, the Star Wars movie Rogue One. He was in John Wick 4. He is fantastic in John Wick 4. Uh, Those are probably his most prominent American films uh and and john wick four is where my wife discovered him and fell in love with him and now that's we've been watching donnie yen movies which i'm thrilled by (laughs) getting to watch a bunch of donnie yen movies well Uh, i never thought about this before just now when you're saying this
2: is that one of the things i love about donnie yen and especially like if you watch yip man movies uh mm -hmm. then there's something very like the action in those movies and the hits in those movies and the physicality of it, like it just it you feel it. Like you yeah. get like amped up by it. And I think John Wick is that way too. So it, it, that's that's cool that he gets to finally go into John Wick because it feels like that's exactly where he should be. Like he yeah. he he probably it, helped make that movie technically and inspiration wise. That's something.
0: true. Yeah. I
1: think there's a big um there's I think there's a large draw for Martial arts movies, because a lot of these martial artists, in addition to having, you know, superior uh, presentation of technical feats and things like that, there's also that personality. I mean, that's true of any anybody who works on camera, really, but being able to couple those things. And I feel like Donnie Yen he again as an outsider looking in i've never met the man and uh hell i haven't even seen uh the bulk of his Have you met any
2: of these people that we're talking about <laughs> no no not, not at all um <laughs> uh,
1: but he seems like his pre- his presentation his martial arts is hands down some of the best around today but his demeanor is that of A very kind and friendly, even gentle man. Whereas Jet Lee, if you watch him in interviews, Bruce Lee, if you watch him in interviews, can come across a little smug or can come across a
2: little, I I don't, arrogant
1: martial artists, a a, a little arrogant, maybe a little elitist.
0: To be fair, both of them have a good reason. Well yeah and others. I'm not I'm not saying that <laughs> oh, but again
1: well, as a as a viewing audience that's not who you root for <laughs> I don't
0: know man watching some of the behind the scenes stuff on this movie I watched a, a great interview with Donnie Yen uh where he talked about filming this movie and he talks about him and Jet Li and their like climactic fight scene that they have in it and the basically I can't I don't have the exact words in front of me, but the base, the gist of it was him saying, like, you know, when you have the two greatest martial artists in the world facing up against each other. So he definitely has a little bit of that arrogance there, too. Like, he's really good and he knows that he's really good. Like, he knows see, how good he is.
1: See, to me, uh, that sounds like he's saying that tongue in cheek, because that's not something no, he's not. Martial, that's not something a martial artist says.
0: But he's not. not saying it tongue in cheek. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, but no. a martial artist did say it and. He yeah. is one of the best in the world, yeah. if not the best. Well, the and and I also
2: look at, by the way, with like, I mean, if you're talking to, well, Gently, I think a lot of, I, I, I agree with Todd to a certain extent, but I think for Gently, it's because I first saw him in Lethal Weapon 4, and he was Lethal. a very
0: intimidating yeah. evil man. First and, time he ever uh, played a villain, by the way.
2: Yeah. Lethal Lethal he Weapon was 4. good at it, and he was just like, oh, God, they can't even do anything to this guy. He's just too badass, yeah. but, and yeah. he's mean. So I give that credit there. Bruce Lee, I have always looked at like, like I've always been annoyed with, this is off on a tangent, and I'll try to bring it back real quick, but Bruce Lee, I've always looked at like, I even got annoyed with Quentin Tarantino's portrayal of him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because Quentin plays him like he's kind of an arrogant asshole. And maybe he kind of was. He kind of was. Like, but I look at him and it's like, this dude is in a position in a world that does not take him seriously. Right? And if if nobody's gonna butter his bread, then you know he's got to. He's right. got to be confident. He's got to be very self assured in what he's doing. And so I don't know. I've always given him a pass for like, no, the dude's just trying to like, uh, you know, he's trying to just like push himself in the industry. Yeah. Assert himself. That's the word I'm looking at.
0: So anyway. Yeah, I mean, but Donnie Yen, he he doesn't come across as smug necessarily. He just says it kind of very matter of factly, like, "Hey, me and Jet Li are fighting each other. We are the best of the best, uh, and he and we know it. And so we've got to make this epic." And they do. I mean, the the fight between Donnie Yen and, and, and Jet Li in this film is just it is a it it, it outshines anything in the first film, in my opinion.
1: Wow, uh,
0: it is. I think. Honestly, I think part 2 overall is a better film than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, I think it's tighter, it's got a, it's it's the script is tighter, it's got a better focus and it's just like it looks better because they had a bigger budget. Uh it, there's a lot of really dramatic lighting that Choi Hawk is kind of uh it's kind of a signature of his that we don't really see in that first film. Mm-hmm. Uh and but but that Donnie Yen fight dude is like what he uses, there's one moment where he uses like a, a sheet or a sheet of fabric and he gets it wet. Yeah, it's he, like cloth or something. Weird. Yeah, and he, yeah. he twists it up to a point where it becomes essentially like he uses like a bow staff, which doesn't really, is not possible in real life. But it looks cool in the movie mm. uh, and, and to use it as a weapon. It's just such a cool visual and they just have a drag down fight. And the thing is. That fight goes on it's like three fights in a row basically it's like they keep they keep just keep going uh and it is <laughs> it is so good and it's, it's just like watching two like it's like watch this is how he describes it in that interview it's like watching two jazz musicians just uh-huh. like just like going like working off each other you know like two I, I really talented to- musicians.
2: I was trying to I was wondering where you were gonna come down on this because I definitely felt like part two was my favorite out of all of them. It's my favorite uh, as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most like cinematic. It's the mm-hmm. most like just I don't know. It's just a fun martial arts movie. Like yeah. it's good. And uh I I don't know. I was trying to think of how to compare it, and I was like, I was like running through stuff in my head as we were getting ready for it. Like I was like, is it like Rambo then Rambo First Blood Part Two? Is it you know, or is it like First Blood, First Blood Part Two, or is it like because it's not as? I do feel like the first one is a little more epic.
0: Yes, uh, it's, yeah, it is the
2: second one, but the second one is like you said, it's more tight and compact, and it's just a better, like, just badass movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really great, and uh, there's a secondary protagonist in the film, who is the priest who leads the White Lotus Clan and provides some of the b- film's best fight scenes as well. And that character was played by, um, Chong Shen, Shen, who we briefly discussed in our full episode on the first film. Remember he had been Jet Li's stunt double in that film, uh, a role that he fil- fills here as well. He's still Jet Li's stunt double, but he's so impressed Choi Hawk that he was also cast as the leader of the white Lotus clan. And they also get some fantastic fights. Like the, in fact, there's a, the, the final scene or the final battle between Jet Li's character and, um, and the White Lotus Priest is one of the best fight scenes I've seen in a martial arts film. And it says something about how good Donnie Yen is that the next, almost the very next scene is them two fighting. And it just completely overshadows that fight with the White Lotus because they're just so good. Like Mm -hmm. if that, if that had been the climactic fight of the film, it would have been enough, but then they go from that to Jet Li versus Donnie Yen and it just becomes like this is it, it. This movie quickly became one of my like favorite martial arts movies ever. Honestly, well, they they wow. they pro wrestled
2: Jet Li and Donnie Yen too. Like they build that story. A oh little yeah. bit. like they they get like a little spar. Like they mm-hmm. get a little. And yeah, you're they like, go oh, at it. A couple I need times. to see those. I need to see
0: them touch gloves. Like and I don't know. I need to <laughs> see them throw hands at each well, other. Plus, like,
2: I, I didn't get enough that last time. I need them to go again.
0: Plus, Donnie Yen's character is kind of like you don't know at first if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy like they kind of play around with it a little bit and uh he ends up not being a bad guy but being in opposition to wong fei Hong's goals in the film he is uh
2: true. he is javert uh to gently shot valchard yeah that's nah. a great
0: comparison theater kid. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh missing from the cast this time is Yun Bao who played, uh, Lung Fun in the first film and who was, as I mentioned in that episode, a little bit overqualified for the role. So in part two, he's replaced by an actor named Max Mok. And the character becomes more of kind of a comic sidekick than he had been in the first film. He's actually very funny. Uh, Max Mok is a longtime fixture of the Hong Kong film circuit, appearing in films dating back to the early nineties, including magic crystal alongside Andy Lau and Cynthia Rothrock, uh, and Eastern condors, which is a Sammo hung movie. Uh, it's got Sammo Hung, Yun Bao, Corey Yun, Yun Ping, and Billy Chow, who uh, we will talk about Billy Chow a little bit more here in a minute. And then Mok continues to play Foon in parts three, four, and five as well. I don't think he's in in America, is he?
2: Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I, don't I, don't so. no, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But he's
0: you. he's really funny. Uh, he's he's a little he gets to ham it up a little bit more in the in the later ones. Like I mean. There are large parts of, I think, part three where Wong Fei Hong just kind of disappears and it becomes about his sidekicks for a while. It might be part four, Uh, but he holds his own. I mean, he's very funny. He's not the martial artist that Yun Bao is, but uh, as just a, a comic relief character, he's really good. Once Upon a Time in China 2 was a major success when it was released in Hong Kong in 1992, earning even more at the box office than its predecessor, which is a rarity in Hong Kong, uh, in the Hong Kong film market, for a sequel to make more than the first one. Uh, and it went on to be nominated for nine Hong Kong film awards, with Yun Wu-Ping taking home the trophy for Best Action Choreography. Yun Wu-Ping did this one solo, not with his brothers this time. Uh, but, I don't know, fantastic film. Uh Like I said, I th- and Gary, I, I'm glad that you agree, Gary, that you think that this is the best of the series. I think that I think that's kind of widely, I think it's widely considered the best of the series. It just it just takes everything that the first film does and kind of amps it up a little bit while still making the story itself more contained. <laughs> I, don't know I did try to look thing. that up and like it, it was weird. Like I think if you look at like Letterbox reviews, I
2: think yeah, generally people think this is the cooler one. Yeah. Uh But you get know, a like Reddit or something it was some people are dicks about this one for some reason I don't uh, what know about do you know they,
0: why like what they what do they don't like about it they think it's it's like
2: uh i i, w- I was looking at this and like some people think it's kind of boring because i i think there's some time in between action sequences i think they're it, great the first film but, is that way yeah well yeah i mean i don't think it's any different than the first in that way but yeah. with, uh i i remember some i, I just remember reading some re- people talk about that. They thought it was kind of tedious and boring and oh, like, wow. it just never, I very much disagree cool with that, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think
0: this is like, I think it's great. Anyway, Todd, you should watch it. If you don't I, I watch, well, I mean, if you don't watch any of the other sequels, watch part two, okay.
2: you should see part two. Part two is really good. I think you'll appreciate just right. how great the, the fighting is in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, for, it sounds
1: like for Jet Li versus Donnie and Donnie, Yen alone um, sounds like it's worth the price of admission. It so, is. Absolutely. Yeah, for
0: that. Yeah. So part two, like I said, major success. Part three is inevitable at this point. And a lot of folks, when you start reading reviews of part three, seem to think that it's a major step down from the first two films. And while I agree that it doesn't quite reach the heights of those, I do think that it contains some of the best fight choreography in the entire series. There are some very fun fights in part three. Um, ironically though, it's not Yun Wu ping uh, the legendary choreographer that we've mentioned, uh, you know, for the first two films. He's not responsible for the fights this time. Instead, it's uh, Yun Bun, who's another member of that Seven Little Fortunes group. You know, he was in there along with Jackie Chan and Sam Oh Hong and Yun Bao uh, when they all went to the Peking Opera School. So Yun Bun is doing it this time. And uh, one of my favorite... Things I, I've already mentioned him a little bit here, or maybe it was on the, I, I mentioned him on the uh, main episode, but one of my favorite things about part three is that there's a new character that's introduced, and he's one that provides the film's emotional heft, because he's kind of a bad guy who becomes a good guy sort of thing, uh, and some of the best fight moments of the entire series, and that man is named Clubfoot, Um, he doesn't have a clubfoot, he just uses his feet a lot, so I guess that's where we get the nickname, but he is played by uh, Xiong Shen, Shen Still the guy who, you know, is playing Jet Li's stunt double, the guy who played the White Lotus Priest. But I guess here he impressed Choi enough in his role as the White Lotus Priest that in part three, they just decided to give him a bigger role. And one that he will play in several films going forward. I actually think he is in every sequel from here on. Uh, I think he's the only one that's in everyone from here on. But he he is fun to watch. He loves to kick. Real kicky guy. Loves using his feet. Uh, He's a blast. I love this guy. Gary, do you have a synopsis for this one? Sure. It's once again time for the annual school lion dance off. But this year,
2: Wong, he's just not feeling it. But when a rich bully from a rival school promises to win it all by any means necessary, Wong may have to put his pride aside and bring it on. Feet, (laughs) don't fail me
0: now. I love it. It sounds like a John Hughes movie. <laughs> uh like, like they they got to have a competition to, st- to like save the gymnasium or something. Uh, well, but, let's be honest. I mean the the the
2: underlying plot line of this movie is similar to that. Like
0: it's a Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we d- we didn't talk about it in part 2, but yeah, lion dancing becomes a a major part of this entire franchise going forward. Lion dancing is like a big deal uh cuz I think the this one ends in a lion dance. And then the next one. Let's one's, clarify, kid, not line dancing. Lion, lion dancing. Lion. Like the achy breaky. They're not, scoot, they're not doing the boot scooting and boogie. <laughs> Although, Although cl- if they the, did. Let's be honest. Clubfoot would be great at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary, were you as enamored with this guy as I was watching this movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean,
2: I think he's he's by far like the most memorable character outside of Wong, uh, Wong Fei-Hong, like he he, he, he his gets an arc style. he gets
0: like, a, and, he, yeah. and he's
2: fun to watch, and he's, yeah, like he
0: has a story
2: behind him, and like he's, yeah, he's great.
0: He's great, and his, his fighting style is just so unique to me, like it's so much fun to watch, it's so weird mm-hmm. uh, and it it is very like it's almost all kicks like he barely uses his arms at all. And he like runs with like his like feet forward, like he like he'll he'll kick through the air like a, like a bicycle kick. Like that's kind of one of his things. And uh it's just I mean, he's obviously assisted by wires <laughs> during the filming of it, but uh he's just a blast to watch, and I love him. And I was just like every time he was on screen, I was like cheering for him. I just think he's great. And I think that the actor, um uh, Sean. I feel like should have been a bigger star, but he doesn't quite have like the movie star look, you know, like, but he could have been like a go to villain or something. And I think and he's, he's had a successful career, but he's never reached the heights of like a Donny Yen or a, or a Jet Li because he doesn't look like a leading man, but he definitely could be like whatever the martial arts movie version of like a character actor is, you know, mm. uh, it's, it's kind of what the the role he could fulfill. But he is just. Uh, he's just fun. He's a fun that the movie overall is fine. It's like I said, it's, it's, it is a step down from the first two. Um, I think it's better than some people give it credit for. Uh, I do think it has some very imaginative, very fun fight scenes in it. that are as good as anything else in the series, but overall it definitely feels like, feels like the franchise is starting to lose a little bit of steam at mm-hmm. around this point, you know, but still worth watching in my opinion. Do you, do you yeah. agree, Gary? I- I would say the first two are, like,
2: essential. Yeah. Uh, I would almost say, like, this would be a fun trilogy if this one didn't play right. This one has an ending that, like, kind of feels like there's more to tell. So, like, it goes well, into the, the next one.
0: Yeah, and the, and the next one does yeah. pick up, like, immediately after the end of this one. So, like, yeah, they, so, they ended this one planning on a part four.
2: Yeah, but... Uh, but, yeah, this was still fun. I mean, and and like and if for nothing else than what just is talking about like uh oh
0: clubfoot seven or whatever. Old clubfoot he's, seven he's, <laughs> he's uh he's worth seeing he is worth he's worth the price of admission in my opinion <laughs> plus you still get to see jet Lee be a badass and stuff you know so it's fun yeah and so, a lion dance and lots of lots and lots of lion dancing
2: <laughs> spoiler alert Gently does it. Wong ends up
0: joining the lion dance and taking first prize. Yep. He does great. Part three, like you said, it ends in a way that kind of sets up part four. Part four does pick up immediately after the events of part three, but you see a bit of a changing of the guard here in part four. Part four is where things get a little weird because Choi Hawk moves into an overseeing role as the film's producer, handing off the directing duties to part three's action choreographer, Yoon Bun. So we, so Choi Hawk's not there or he's there but he's not directing uh but we're also missing Rosamund Kwan a 13th aunt she is not in this one. she was in part part 2 and part 3 but she's gone this time and instead we are introduced to her sister naturally 14th aunt is is, is her name uh played by Jean Wang and she's fine too she's not a, she's not as charming as Rosamund Kwan but she's you know she she's good but she high- most, she yeah she's very attractive yeah but most notably Jet Li's gone. No Jet Li in the part four. Thanks to a contract dispute with Golden Harvest, Li chose not to return to the role that made him an international star, and he is replaced by an actor named Vincent Zhao. So, or Zhao, I guess to how you say it. Zhao had been discovered by Corey Yun in 1992 when he was scouting the Beijing Sports University. He was trying to find a a martial arts to play the antagonist for his 1993 film Fong Sai Yuk, which starred... uh, Jet Li, actually, in the lead role. And it was released here in the United States as Jet Li's The Legend, or simply The Legend. Uh, That's one of the movies that got imported here in the U.S. after he kind of became popular internationally, The Legend. it's a Good little movie. But it was during the filming of this that Li's contract negotiations for the next Once Upon a Time in China entry fell apart, and Choi visited the set of The Legend to meet with Zhao. So he was so impressed with this guy's performance that he quickly recruited the actor to replace Lee as Fu- as Wong Fei-Hung. Uh, Gary, do us the honors of uh, reading the Gary's Blu-ray Boutique synopsis for this one. Have you seen Mighty Ducks 2? Well, think that. Instead of the local
2: lion dance-off, this time we're going international. But don't worry, there's still more racist cults to deal with and a 14th ant who might be hotter than the 13th. If you're confused, shut the fuck up. You know what you're here for. Watch the kicking.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this time you get lion dancers from all over the world, which makes for some pretty good visuals because they're not, uh, they have different animals. (laughs) They're not just lions that they're dancing as. Uh, But uh, how do you, what do you feel about Vincent Zhao in the lead role? And compared to like the first three?
2: I mean, I hate to like, it's so like, Personal knock against the guy, but
0: it's definitely like it's not the same anymore. Yeah, he he definitely like he's a very capable martial artist, very good. And and the movie introduces him in a pretty interesting way where uh you get this whole opening credit sequence that's just him doing a demonstration, basically, like jumping around, kicking, flipping, and doing all this stuff, kind of showing off for the audience. And Almost like it, how that, uh, the uh, 13 Chambers of Shaolin or whatever, like, yeah, they, they had that, that opening, like, performance or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so you get to see him kind of showing off his skills, and he's clearly very good. And then it ends with a freeze frame that's just like kind of a close up of his face and it says Vincent Zhao as Wang Fei Hong. You know, so your audiences are immediately like, "Okay, this is the guy who's taking over the role," and we just saw him do a bunch of badass stuff. Uh, so he's a very capable martial artist, which is wh- how he got the job to begin with. But he definitely lacks Jet Li's like screen presence and charisma. Mm. You know that thing that makes that it factor that Jet Li has that's made him an international star. Uh, Zhao is kind of missing that, but I mean, he's good. He's a he's a good like I said, he's a good performer. He actually does get better in, in the next one, I think personally but uh here he's like in the fight scenes he's great but he still doesn't quite have jetly's grace even in those fight scenes uh there jetly Li has like a lightness to his performance in martial art in like fight scenes that i think this guy's just kind of missing there's just something about it that's not quite quite good even though you know if he were in a regular martial arts competition or a, a fight he would definitely hold his own against anybody mm-hmm. you know yeah, but
2: are- just, It's not. It's not. It's not as smooth as Lee. Like it's, right. it's. It's so weird to say, but like there's something. Something's a little off, and yeah, I don't know. And and even just and even just knowing that it's a different guy, I think is, it's already trouble enough. I I was think when I was watching it, I was like, man, I wonder if this is how Bond actors are or something. Right? Like, when you have to replace like Bond yeah. or something, you're like, oh god, like I gotta be this guy. Now. Yeah, but uh. No, oh, no. It's interesting. It's not, it's not, bad. It's just like, yeah. you're, you're not immediately at, just, like, this is not the same guy. You can't not <laughs> compare him to gently who is yeah. one of the
0: best to ever do it. So it's, he, he's got big shoes to fill figuratively. I think Jet Li's shoes are actually probably pretty small. It's very small. <laughs> <shoe> size. <laughs> <laughs> uh there are a couple of other cast members though, that I want to talk about uh, the first, which we briefly mentioned a few minutes ago is Billy Chow, Billy Chow. Is sort of a legendary jobber of Hong uh, of Hong Kong cinema. He was a world champion kickboxer before turning to acting in the 1980s, making his debut as an unnamed soldier in Eastern Condors alongside Sammo Hong, Yun Bao, and Yun Wu Ping. He would go on to play thugs in uh, Jackie Chan movies like Dragons Forever and Miracles in 1989, uh, 1988. And then throughout the 90s, he was cast primarily as villains, appearing in several Jet Li movies, including Fist of Legend and later opposite Donnie Yen in Iron Monkey 2. So the guy's got you know some legit credentials here. Mm. And Once Upon a Time in China 4, he appears as one of two Chinese mercenaries that are hired by the film's German villains. It's not the British and Americans this time, it's the Germans. I think we had some Russians in the last one too, right? Yeah, I, I think know, there, there were was the Russians. Russians. Yeah but he's the one in this one you may remember this guy gary because his his what seems to be his special move his special power is punching horses in slow motion something he does several times throughout the movie <laughs> that's like <Yeah>. his thing <laughs> is that he yeah. runs just, you, you and might punches think a horse that he's just, he's just, he says he says you might think just to like say like oh he
2: punches a horse in slow motion and it's like oh that's a it's a one time gag
0: like this just nope. funny but no that's for some thing. reason this guy does. This. <laughs> if you if you are on a horse and you see this guy coming, you need to turn around and run because this man will punch your horse in the face, and your horse will fall down to the ground, possibly dead or knocked out. Um, <laughs> that's his thing, horse punching man. I don't I don't even know his character's name. That's just what I call him in the whole movie, horse puncher. It's real weird. It's real weird, but it's it's funny every time it happens i laughed <laughs> except i felt kind of bad for the horse because they're they're clearly like pulling a horse's legs out from under them to get these shots which yeah, uh, yeah. Horse, yeah but hey, horses are resilient you know yeah i guess i don't know i i don't know i think when a yeah, horse, this, like well, a yeah, horse they do yeah. shoot horses when they uh break a leg if a
2: horse falls and breaks a leg or something which is <laughs> sometimes happens if a horse is gonna fall over then uh yeah it's kind of the right. end for a horse
0: yeah I don't know. the Let's just say that the American Humane Society or PETA was not involved in the making of this movie. But I don't think they <laughs> kill. I don't think he actually punched the horse. That should be. It wasn't you know. like that bid her <laughs> movie or
2: something where like they kept breaking the horse's legs on purpose by like making them drop into a hole. Remember right. That? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a that's another movie we'll cover someday. Maybe <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's uh, a the whole anyway. chariot race where. Betty, a horse gets murdered.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but that's Billy Chow. Billy Chow, great. Great great Hong Kong martial arts movie goon. That's that's like his role in these movies, right? The yeah. other mercenary here, there's two of them, is uh, an, played by a, an actor named Chen Carlock. So Chen began his career as a stuntman at the tender age of 16, and he was a member of Sambo Hong's stunt team for many years. Uh, he made his film debut in Heart of a Dragon, which is directed by Sammo Hung, alongside Jackie Chan. Is that and the one with Sean as uh, the voice of the dragon? <laughs> that's Dragonheart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, that was 1985. And then throughout the 1980s, he worked as a stunt performer on legendary Hong Kong action films like My Lucky Stars, Writing Wrongs, which I waxed poetic about in our main episode, yeah. and, uh, and, all, and Dragons Forever. So on that last one, Dragons Forever, He was actually the stunt double for Jackie Chan. So imagine having to be a stand-in for a stunt that's so dangerous that Jackie Chan... Says, I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I, this is like,
2: we joked about this in the episode. Yeah. That, that you would be bored. But yeah, then the, then the part comes up where they need you. That's going to be intimidating. Like, like, there's like what a stunt the fuck's coming this up? guy not going to do? Right. Like, there's <laughs> a
0: stunt coming up where Jackie Chan's like, nope, I'm not doing that. Like, I've seen this man literally fall up from the top of a building. <laughs> I've seen this man crash cars uh, down hillsides where he hits 60 cars in a row. And like, but no, he's like, I'm not doing this. You're doing this. So, that's this guy's job. Uh, he also appeared in acting roles in, in a lot of these films. You know, so he he'd act as a he'd be a stunt performer, but he'd also have some on-screen roles where you know he was playing a character. Uh, and like Billy Chow, he kind of became a go-to actor to play in small but important roles that required someone with significant fighting skills. He just be like he's like I said, a jobber. In 1992, though, oddly enough, he played none other than Wong Fei Hung himself in a film called martial arts master wong fei Hong, which is not very imaginative but um i think that's a literal translation of the of the chinese name of that movie so oh, he's playing at this point you don't think they have to like say martial arts like, master this is like, this is his
2: job this is what he does this is, yeah, what, right. Wang
0: is. <laughs> it's what he's known for we've
2: yeah. had 150
0: movies where you fucking seen him but you know <laughs> just in case you didn't know knows knows the martial arts martial he, he he knows martial arts so uh what did you think of this one overall though gary uh, it, this is my. Like a, I, I I think this might be
2: might be my least favorite one.
0: It's it's my least favorite too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's if I'm ranking on this one's on the bottom. Still enjoyed watching it, but it not as much as as, as some of the other ones. There were points in this one where
2: I was kind of like, am I burned out? Like, is this yeah. am I done
0: now? <laughs> yeah, this one feels <laughs> like it spins its wheels a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. still got some great fight scenes. It's still fun. You know, it's just it it's just when you watch it after watching the other ones, because I watch these like all in a row over the course of a, a week or whatever Oof. um that you can really feel the, the differences in this one. And it does feel like a, a bit of a slump, but, and it did, it earned significantly less than the first three films in the series, but it was still successful enough at the box office that golden harvest decided to go ahead with the next planned film in the franchise aptly titled once upon a time in China five, Gary hit us with the synopsis. Poor Wong Fei-Hung.
2: He just can't catch a break. You know how Jack White talked about being able to take on a seven nation army? What happens if there's eight? Plus, 13th <laughs> Anna's back, and she is not happy about 14th Anna being in the picture.
0: Now there's pirates, too. hi yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yes, part five saw Choi Hawk return to the director's chair. Yun Bun is back on action choreography duty, and Rosa Meng Kwan is back as 13th Ant, but 14th Ant is still here. Uh, Kent Chang is back as Porky Wing. He hasn't been around since the very first film in the series. Uh, and Vincent Zhao continues in the role of Wong Fei Hung. Uh, but the role of Bucktooth So has also been recast, this time with an actor named Roger Kwok playing the character. Now, this time around, Choi Hawk has completely abandoned the sort of loftiness, the the uh, idea of, of making like important historical epics that he had done in the earlier entries. And he ste- instead, he kind of turns this into pure pulp adventure uh, with, as Gary synopsis said, Wong Fei Hong and his students battling actual pirates. Uh, and it is and it is wonderful. And it ends in like a like a gun battle. Like there's a, it's almost like he's it's almost like Choi has been inspired by like John Woo movies to where he wants to incorporate gunfights into his historical martial arts movie. And honestly, it works. It works really well. This is my th- if I'm ranking these. And if you want, Gary, when we're done, we can we can give our rankings. But this one's up there for me. This one's pretty, fi- pretty far up there for me. Uh I just thought it was fun. I mean, it's it is definitely the silliest of these initial movies um, things get sillier here in a minute, but uh, this one's <laughs> it's just take, it's just not, it's just trying to have fun. I mean, it's Wong Fei hung versus pirates. It's I, definitely <laughs> at the point where uh, they,
2: I don't know. It's like after the third one, or especially after the second one, where you realize there's a fall off, like mm-hmm. things are starting to drop a little bit. it's like in the fourth one, they didn't want to accept it quite yet, but right. in the fifth one, they're like, okay, we're in, Real sequel territory now. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's just, go, just let's just fucking let's fuck go Looney off. Tunes. <laughs> Looney Tunes <laughs>
0: okay. mode. Uh, right. And Vincent Zhao, I think, is better in this one. I think he's just like, he feels more comfortable. He's still not as good as Jet Li, don't get me wrong. But he does feel like he's more comfortable in the role. He's more charismatic in the role. Uh, and it might just be because the movie itself is more lighthearted and fun. But I think he's great. I think the love triangle stuff with 13th and 14th and is really funny and really well done. I think uh it, it goes on these adventures with porky wing and and foon for a while and so and it kind of follows them for a little while and kind of forgets about wong for a bit but it works because they're all really fun and funny uh so you don't mind like i would watch a movie about their adventures because it's they're they're hilarious you know they're they're a fun little uh his, like his students basically become a they all become the comedic relief here. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the fight scenes are great. Like the, the way they're lit, it makes you think of like Spielberg, like the, or like the Goonies or something like that. Like the pirate stuff really gave me Goonies vibes, like the underground, you know, where, yeah, what's his name? The, the pirates stashes and the Goonies. And I don't know. It's just, I thought this one was a blast. Hey, you guys. What if he had Let's showed Let's do Kung Fu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sold, but now, <laughs>
0: You were sold on Wong Fei Hong versus pirates.
1: Well, after hearing uh, it's, I was, I was teetering, I was teetering, but then hearing like Goonies and hearing Gary, uh,
0: like sloth uh, is going to just sloth. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, now I'm in.
0: (laughs) So that was released in November of 1994. And part five, Once Upon a Time in China 5, got pretty positive reviews from critics. It actually, it got much better reviews than part four had, uh, but it unfortunately did not perform very well at the box office, effectively killing the franchise, or so it would seem. Because a year later, in 1995, Choi Hawk shepherded a Wong Fei-Hung TV series, which is sometimes referred, I've seen it referred to as Once Upon a Time in China, the series. But as we discussed, these movies were not released as Once Upon a Time in China in in China mm. uh, they were just called Wang Fei Hong so this was ju- the series was just called uh, I think the literal translation of the Chinese title is new legends of Wang Fei Hong ah. so it's not, but I, I tried. To, I looked into this. I couldn't find it to watch anywhere. At least not with English it stars, subtitles.
2: It stars Adrian Paul as <laughs> Wogfe <Walt> Hug. <Fahuck. laughs> it actually stars Vincent now now. I'm in. <laughs> Um
0: But it's, it's not really a traditional TV series, from what I've been able to gather about it. Because, like I said, I, I, this is one I didn't watch because I one didn't have time to watch it because it's a lot. But also, it's just I don't think it's ever been released here. Uh, but it seems to be, instead of a regular TV series, it seems to be a series of television films telling five different stories about Wang Fei Hung, each told in four episodes. Huh. So, uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot of other information about them out there. You can find the plot synopsis for each one out there, but that's kind of all that's available here. But it was produced by Choi Hawk. Uh, it saw the return of Vincent Zhao, Kent Ching, and Max Mog. They're all re- you know returning in their roles. Uh, although, 13th Aunt does get recast with Maggie Shu in the role. She was, she's a big star in Hong Kong cinema. Um, and another role that was recast was that of Bucktooth. So here he's played by an actor named Power Chan, who would return to that very same role in Shu Hark's final Wong Fei Hong project, which is called Once Upon a Time in China and America. So, so you get both. Two countries. Both. Too? Yeah. And even though it's, even though it's all in America, actually the whole movie. Well, if involved. we're gonna come back for a six <laughs> movie, we gotta
2: we gotta have lots of countries. Yeah, involved. so I, I don't know. In this one, well, Gary, do you have a synopsis for this one? You know what? I
0: actually did not write. Okay, it's Wong Fei Hug and cowboys and Indians. Yeah, so basically in this one, Bucktooth So, uh, who I think is credited as talkative So in this one. Uh, he's returned to America to open an American branch of Pochi Lam, which you know that's Wang Feihong's medical clinic. Mm-hmm. So this prompts Wang Hong, Thirteenth Aunt, and Clubfoot to come visit him. Uh, thus I Clubfoot plunging. was a bad guy. No, no, he joins. He he becomes part. He becomes a student of. By the end of part three, so at the dance off, yeah, there's yeah. like an antagonistic so he start, moment. He he starts up. as a bad guy. Gets won over and then becomes a student of Wong. He basically, like, one of Wang Fei Hung's students
2: ends up like getting in a little fight with him. But during the fight, something happens and it ends up hurting his legs. And Wang Fei Hung helps him out. In so a rare learns...
0: image of gore in these movies with his leg, uh, you get a yeah. little bit, little touch of gore there. The only time it happens in any of these. That's what well yeah, I have saying.
2: He's the only one with like an arc like through these movies. Like he, he gets like more character work. Like he he's a bad guy. He's 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 a stooge for the, the bad guys at first, but then when he gets hurt and gets left behind, they heal him and uh, then he like turns around and is like, now I'm now I'm a student of Wang Hong.
0: Yeah. So he okay. becomes one of the students. Yeah. So so through the other series, he is Th- after part three or or from about like i don't know two-thirds of the way through part three on he is a good guy
2: huh. he's like uh, Jotty and cobra kai kind like of uh, like he I, he yeah. he turns himself around he's still got plenty of badassness that you're like this guy's a got of, some spice
0: to him still a lot but- of kicking yeah <laughs> so this uh so they all come to america and this plunges you know this classic Chinese folk hero into the American West of the early 20th century. So it's a fun little thing. Uh, This time, uh, Choi Hawk is not directing. He's still just producing, handing over directing duties to, Sammo Hung himself, Sammo Hung directed this one. Uh, but most notably we should mention Jet Li returns to the role of Wong Fei Hung and once upon a time in China and America. So uh, this is the last time ever playing the character, but it is, and it is what a, what a, what a film to go out on. Cause this movie is wacky. <laughs> it is, it, it's got some great fight scenes in it though. I mean, that first one, the first big battle, which is their stagecoach getting it's, it's Wong, uh, it's it's the it's Wong Thirteenth and Clubfoot, and I don't know. I don't think Buck, Bucktooth might be there with them at that point. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, their stagecoach naturally gets attacked by Indians, so they have to fight them. Yeah. Uh, Native so it's Americans, Native Americans. So they call them Indians in the movie, but yes, Native Americans, and none of none of whom are played by Native Americans, by the way. Not a oh, single okay, one. Right. Not a single. They're all they're I don't know who. I don't, none of them are. And, are Native American actors? They're all of uh, various ethnicities that have slightly brown skin, I guess. And let me my tell you- favorite
2: part is that. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go step ahead. On you. But I yeah, was yeah. just gonna say my favorite part is that uh wong Fei Hug. Uh, he he hurts his head and he gets amnesia uh-huh. during this process. He becomes um, like one of the other tribes saves him. Yeah, and so that he kind of becomes part of that tribe. He, he becomes and, yep, and the battles. The rival tribe and beats the whole rival Indian tribe. He doesn't remember anything about his past prior to this, except the Kung Fu, obviously. Oh, okay. And uh yeah, yeah. and then he uh
0: so you get to see Dretton uh, gently dressed in feathers and war paint.
1: Oh uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you do. But then he hurts his head again <laughs> or
2: something. Something happens. I forget now. And he gets he- his memory back of his other past but not the Indian past. Yeah. He doesn't remember. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the point of any of it is. I don't know how but... amnesia
0: works, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he hurts his head the first time because a- after that big battle with the, the native tribe, their, their stagecoach goes off a cliff and into a river. Uh, it's a pretty spectacular crash, honestly, but he ends up bumping his head and they, they end up being fine. The rest of them are fine, but I get, he is found down river by an Indian tribe. And uh, doesn't remember anything.
1: So, so it's kicking with wolves. Yeah. But yeah.
0: If, if Kevin Costner lost his memory. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> and yeah. then, and he also sort of has this like flirty relationship with one of the the Native women who is played by a white woman named Krista Bell, who's in a bunch of David in, Lynch stuff. <laughs>
2: interest, interestingly enough, her, her Native American name is Aunt of the 15.
0: Uh, is, <laughs> what if that were true it's not uh, I, I will say I think that watching this like every single person in this film and overall, I enjoyed this it's silly it's a silly movie but um uh, every person in it who is a who speaks English
1: mm.
0: is terrible like a terrible actor <laughs> whether whether they are Native American or whether they are white if they are speaking English, Acting is not what they were hired for. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. It's like that in a lot of Hong Kong movies. They're like in Ip Man and, and, and in the in some of these other Once Upon a Time movies when you've got the British and Americans and stuff like that. I feel like everyone who is an English speaker is just like uh, giving a bad performance. And I don't know if it's something with the direction that they're they're having them, I don't know, play it bigger than what a an american actor normally would i don't know what it is something's weird there but i feel like every single actor in this who is speaking english is just terrible (laughs) (laughs) well a couple of things uh todd you'll appreciate
2: one of these uh in the in the reviews because i don't know if we're doing the review thing so if we're not i'll say one of the reviews definitely said uh it gave it one star and said just it's the Star Trek episode where Kirk gets amnesia and becomes a Native American, but this has Wong <laughs> Fei Hung.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it's oh. fun though. I mean, the fight, it's Sam Oh Hung, so the fights are still great. You know, uh, the the story itself is pretty silly. You know, it's pretty it's pretty goofy, but uh, and, it, and it's not exactly a high note for the character to to go out on. But I still had fun what? with it. I still enjoyed it. <laughs> My
2: other my other thing was my favorite part of this whole thing is that Jackie Chan apparently in his book he talks about this that he was yes. pissed off about this oh, with yeah. Samo because oh, yeah. this was his idea. It was his He idea. wanted cowboys and kung fu. Yeah. And Sammo used it here in this movie. And so Samo did apologize, so it saved the friendship. But and I don't even think this is the first time that's used ever, but uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, a of years later,
2: it. Jackie Chan does
0: get to do uh, Shanghai Noon. Yeah, so he gets to,
2: yeah
0: he gets to do his cowboys and kung fu then. And this but. movie, Once Upon a Time in China and America, was um it was actually filmed in America. It was filmed in Texas, actually, really? uh, in a town called Bracketville, at a place called Alamo Village, where they built basically a replica of the Alamo because the actual Alamo is you know in the middle of downtown San Antonio, surrounded by skyscrapers well it's for the john wayne movie yeah the john wayne movie called the alamo that came out in 1960 so it was built for that but it's become like a you know a film set essentially kind of like old tucson you know outside of tucson arizona so but yeah oddly enough when when this movie opened opening weekend it opened uh chinese new year that year 1997 and its biggest competition at the box office was another sam hung movie (laughs) <laughs> Another movie that Sammo directed. He had two movies out at the same time. That movie was Mr. Nice Guy, starring Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. So, wow. But yeah, uh, like Gary said, I, I was gonna mention this as well. That this once upon a time in China and America actually did cause a riff between Chan and Hung. Um, because Chan said that he he had this idea of a martial arts, you know, hero being showing up in the American West, of course. As Gary mentioned, that later became Shanghai Noon. Uh, But, and, and that way, by the way, Shanghai Noon has another fun once upon a time in China connection because its fight choreography was by Yun Bao, the original Foon. He huh. he came over to help his buddy Jackie Chan on Shanghai Noon and did the fight choreography for it. So <laughs> uh, and I like yes, the idea of him trading Owen Wilson. And, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and uh yeah, like you said, Gary, they they did later make up Chan and Hung. They they made up uh, a couple years later, but Hung would actually end up making a cameo in Jackie Chan's 2004 film Around the World in 80 Days, and in that film, Sammo Hung portrayed wong fei hung
1: ah there
0: you go <laughs> <laughs> so it's, all, it's all come full circle now so uh it's a it's a fun story it's a fun franchise though uh i think it's really fun i mean those first two are hard to beat the rest of them though i think they're worth watching if you're a fan of martial arts movies i think they are great the first two though are definitely essential viewing nice so gary oh,
1: yeah. i think you've sold me on the the second one uh, versus pirates and uh, cowboys and Indians, I think. Yep. I think,
0: yeah, so that's so, yeah. I mean, you're on the right track. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, how would you rank these, Gary? Uh, well, definitely. I mean, I would
2: probably go two, one, mm-hmm. and then I would go, uh, I think I would probably still stick with three next. I, I could go five. Or three, in that third spot, got to make a choice, Gary.
0: Life is all about making tough decisions. I'll go three just because it stays with Jetley, and okay. just
2: and uh, and then five, and then America, and America's then last. Uh,
0: no, no, and then four, four would last. be last. Yeah, okay. I would go two, one, just like you, but then I go five. Okay, But I love those pirates. <laughs> I just, I just really, I just really like those scenes where they're fighting the pirates. I mean, it's fun. There's treasure. There's guns. There's all kinds of fun, weird stuff that you don't see in any of the other movies. So I go two one five, even, even
2: above the introduction of Clubfoot, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the Clubfoot stuff is that 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 does make me question that. But Clubfoot still gets to do some great stuff in the other movies. Uh, granted, I do think the when he's the bad guy in part three is when he's at his best. Uh, that's when he gets to show off the most, show off his skills the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I go two, one, five, three. America four. Yeah. So we're, so pretty, we're pretty close there. We're pretty we just close. Swap, we just swap where three and five are. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's a fun series. I had a lot of fun watching all of them. I'd watch the, I watched it and I said it in our regular episode, but that Criterion box set is really fantastic. There's like an hour-long documentary j- just about Wang Fei Hong on it. Uh so if you're interested in the more of the history behind that, uh it's 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 a documentary that was produced, I think, for Chinese television. And it's very in-depth. It's really cool. Uh they visit Foshan, like where his house was. There's a wong Wang Fei Hong Museum there. Like it's really cool nice. uh if you're into the history side of things. But there are interviews with everyone from uh there's several with Choi Hawk, Donnie Yin, Jet Li, um, what was, uh, Choi's wife's name, Sunshin, he, I think was her name, that founded, uh, the film production company with him, uh, right. they, they Yun Yunwo Ping, there's like a 40 minute interview with him, like a and a that was done in America, uh, so there's a translator, but, uh, that one's really great, because I just love that guy anyway, but, yeah, I mean, the hours and hours. Of special features on there it's a really fantastic set highly highly recommended if you're a fan of these um but that's all i think that's all we got for this week what do you think gary you got anything else to add about this series no i think i think we hit it all it's a it's a
2: it's a long series that i get it's pretty daunting to tell you but i think if you were into the first one definitely try out the second one and Mm -hmm. then you know from there your mileage may vary but The second one's worth seeing. Like, I think one and two legitimately on their own are like, probably like classics. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, stand the test of time. and are probably some of the greats of all time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with that. So
2: are you going to watch them, Todd? I think
1: I will probably check out probably either the pirate one or the Cowboys and Indians. I'm probably going to go with the Cowboys and Indians ones first. Uh, China and America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually I'm actually curious about the documentary about Long Fei Hung because, yeah. like I said, like in the regular episode, uh, you know, the deep dive I did on his life it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating story. So I'm it's actually cool. down to uh, down to hear that. And of course, I love Yan Wuping too. So hearing that guy talk about his stuff would probably be pretty awesome as well so i yeah. think i would go america the documentary well, you gotta
0: watch part two um,
1: well do i have to watch it right away though
0: i mean it's the best one of all six of them ah. it's the best one okay me and gary but we me and gary both ranked it at number one yeah, yeah i mean true. i think uh, you if enjoyed you're in the, the for first the fights, ones,
2: and you want to see the choreography you want to see the like i don't know part two is like a gently a, gently
0: versus donnie yen
1: okay so i'll go okay so i'll go
0: part. just two. watch them all todd I'll, I'll go part two. You don't have to watch them all this week. Just watch them all eventually. Yeah, yeah. No, that's no, that's all, what I'm saying. We're I'm not asking for a part... book report here. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> you guys got to rank stuff. I want to rank
0: stuff. You're not ranking. You can't rank something you haven't seen.
1: I want to rank in <laughs> terms of how excited I am about
0: it. <laughs> uh, all right. Then we're, let's wrap this shit up. Come on. All right. uh, where can you be found on the internet?
1: Just this is quickly. Gary
0: Horde. Mr. Todd A. Davis.
1: I'm at Mr. Todd A. Davis, and you can find my show at Computer Resume on all the stuff.
0: I'm Justin underscore Bishop. The show is at Cinema underscore Shock everywhere. We're on Letterboxd now. So uh, I'll, I've got lists on Letterboxd of like all of our series and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll continue to add stuff as I think about it, To Or if you have suggestions, I don't know what you want to see on there. I'm not really doing reviews on there. It's just kind of a, a hub to, uh, We've already got quite a few followers, which is nice because I just created it a couple days ago. So follow us on Letterboxd and everywhere else at Cinema underscore Shuck. And that's all I got for this week. Be excellent to each other.
2: May the Liberty Wings
0: (laughs) (laughs) be excellent (laughs) to each other. (laughs) May the Wings of Liberty be excellent to each other. That's our next (laughs) t-shirt right there. Pork buns. Pork buns. johnny has the pork buns johnny
1: has the pork buns (laughs)
0: that's that's on the back of that same t-shirt yeah (laughs) nobody will understand that no you'll wear that in public and just get confused looks from everyone
1: (laughs) exactly what i look for
0: There Gary, Gary. Where'd you go? You peeing again? I know you can hear me. He's got those cordless yeah. headphones on. <laughs> just glad I can't hear a pee. Gary,
1: Gary,
0: how's, how's your pee pee?
1: Imagine us standing right over your shoulder and just watching you mm.
0: pee. Mm. Yes, sir. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Gary, hit <he's> back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought I could get out and pee real quick. (laughs) You (laughs) fucking dickheads. That was (laughs) great. (laughs) That was great. Uh...